Oh, baby, baby. Hello, all you beautiful people. It's your boy, Notorious SA, aka Steve Anderson, aka Diamond Joe Biden. You probably, if you don't recognize Diamond Joe Biden, that's how the Onion used to describe the current former vice president of the United States as the lovable, fun, huckster gaff machine that was. Attached to the presidency of Barack Obama. Now he's the front runner for the presidency. He's been through a lot. Had some real shaky ground. Early in the primary season. But it seems like it all came together for him. Seems like he's stepping up in a unique moment in time where he can capture the unpopularity of an incumbent that is so powerful that the vast majority of his voters aren't voting for Joe Biden because they like Joe Biden. They're voting for him because he's not Donald Trump. The same attitude many Trump voters felt by voting not for Trump, but by voting against Hillary. Joe Biden's had a long career. Right? I mean long. Like, before I was born, before most of my generation was born, and he's had some personal struggles as well. But at the end of the day, he's Barack Obama's vice president. That's his legacy going into this election. And something that I want to kind of emphasize is that Something happened while he was vice president. Something that he led specifically. That resulted in a massive, massive system of injustice spread out across these nation's college campuses. If you know what I'm talking about, I mentioned it earlier. It's that when Joe Biden was vice president and Barack Obama was vice president, during their administration, the Department of Education issued federal guidelines responding to what the Obama administration considered a national epidemic of campus sexual assault. Right, as part of a campaign that involved the It's On Me campaign, which in which advised students to look out for signs and to obviously protect their fellow students. There is a much more heavy-handed and sinister system in place to try to force the colleges to adapt to what the administration considered to be a stricter, a stricter enforcement system. They basically said that if a college doesn't aggressively go after campus sexual assault 
they will give these schools a death penalty, which is to withdraw federal funding that resisted these directives. For the most part, folks, if you don't know, if a university doesn't get federal funding, it's essentially finished. A large portion of its loans and grants come from the federal government. And sure, some private institutions have huge reserves that maybe they could try to withstand the storm if needed. But most universities can't take that kind of hit. So they followed the guidelines and created this Byzantine system of star chambers and of unconstitutional venues to which students, at the mere accusation of assault, were expelled from their university. What I am concerned about in the Joe Biden administration is that these same people will be in charge again. If anything, some of the more radical people will be in charge. And it's not necessarily guaranteed that the protections we have in place now are going to stay in a Biden administration. So let's all take a minute here. Let's talk about Title IX, federal funding for schools. Let's talk about what happens when you try to make it easier to convict people on accusations. And let's see what happens when you don't respond to the backlash. Washington Post. On April 4th, 2011, the same day that President Obama formally announced his re-election bid, his education department, with no advance notice, reinterpreted Title IX as giving the federal government authority to dictate the specific procedures that colleges must use to educate student-on-student sexual assault allegations. This Dear Colleague letter issued by the Office for Civil Rights, told all of the more than 7,000 colleges that received federal money to use the lowest possible standard of proof, a preponderance of evidence in sexual assault cases, though not in less serious matters such as cheating and noise violations. The letter required universities to allow accusers to appeal not guilty findings, a form of double jeopardy. It further told schools to accelerate their adjudications with a recommended 60-day limit. And, perhaps most important, the OCR strongly discouraged cross-examination of accusers, given the procedures that most universities employed. The Obama administration never explained the timing of this document's release, nor did it explain how a plainly worded 40-year-old anti-discrimination law had become a source of such highly controversial mandates. In early 2016, Oklahoma Senator James Lankford, who emerged as an important defender of campus due process, requested that the Education Department provide the legal basis for the original Dear Colleague letter. The response was less than convincing, 
even though the Obama administration had nearly five years to come up with a rationale. In a single paragraph, then-head of the OCR, Catherine Lehman maintained that the 2011 letter merely reminded colleges and universities of her requirement to use the preponderance of evidence standard which she asserted OCR had previously established in two unpublished letters with individual universities. Now, in case you didn't hear about this, right, it's been kind of a low-key issue in the era of the Trump administration. But the Obama administration basically pressured these universities to make it as easy as possible to convict those accused of sexual misconduct. And not only did they make it easier, they expanded the definition of what considered sexual misconduct. It included everything from sexual assault to unwanted touching and catcalling. It's a pretty broad spectrum to include in the purposes of sexual assault. Now, the idea behind this very much likely came from groups that have been trying to raise awareness of sexual assault on campus. And one of the issues with some of the work that they've done is that there's a lot of statistics being thrown out about exactly what the level is in terms of safety on a campus. You'll often hear that statistics show that one of every five students is subject to sexual assault on a college campus, or one out of four. That's pretty high, right? That's like unfathomably high. That's like African countries where the rule of law doesn't exist high. Specifically, the Republic of Congo, a war-torn nation where rape is often used as a weapon of war. Needless to say that investigations by Slate Magazine and The Atlantic revealed that a lot of the science that these recommendations were based on was not necessarily the most well-informed or at best questionable in terms of its ability to be replicated and in terms of actual data collection. But it's too late for that. The Obama administration, whoever in the Department of Education decided that this was the time to create a system where any accusation can result in conviction and expulsion. Let's be clear. No one is saying that sexual assault on campus isn't a problem and that it doesn't need to be dealt with professionally and that it involves usually dealing with both law enforcement and school administration in terms of its code of conduct. But the problem with this system was that after it was after it was implemented, students began to be rejected and expelled from universities under the flimsiest of circumstances. Right? Essentially, what you would have is someone would make an accusation against another student, and then three people randomly assigned 
whether they be university provost or staff or professors, people who are not trained to handle these kind of situations, would then hear from the accuser and just notify the accused without giving the ability to present evidence or cross-examine the witness. And this be up to the soul's discretion of two or three people in the university as to whether or not this person committed a crime and deserved to be suspended or expelled from the university. I don't have to tell you that this, if this sounds like a massive violation of rights and due process, is that it is. And that it got very little attention outside from certain legal circles where people were very concerned that the federal government was using its massive weight and power of the purse to force universities to implement these unjust and frankly discriminatory practices of dealing with campus sexual assault. But you know what happened? People fought back. People, when abused by this system, took it to court. Over 400 civil cases have been filed before the Trump administration took over. Let me tell you the words of U.S. Appeals Court Judge Raymond Kethledge in a June opinion regarding Oberlin College. Any number of federal, constitutional, and statutory provisions reflect the proposition that in this country, we determine guilt or innocence individually rather than collectively based on one's identification with some demographic group. The principle has not always been perfectly realized in our nation's history, but as judges, it is one that we take an oath to enforce. The federal judges knew what they saw. They saw the government and the universities creating unfair, arbitrary systems designed to convict people on a mere accusation. The idea that these regulations would have gone out and only affected the bad people is very much a naive way of understanding how human interaction works. Particularly college kids, where you have adults whose brains haven't fully developed in situations with their peers, and of course, drugs and alcohol are an ever-present factor. Mind you, 189 times state and federal courts have ruled in favor of accused students because their rights under Title IX and the 4th and 5th and 14th Amendments have been violated by these universities at the direction of the federal government. It's not as if this was, like, shocking. Harvard Law had numerous professors sign a letter that said that these policies are a violation of due process, right? 
This doesn't solve the problem of sexual assault on campus. It just makes it easier to convict people who've been accused. It doesn't delve into the deeper issues that go with this. It just simply says we've created an arbitrary system that allows us to convince people that we figured out a way to solve the problem. But all it did was make it worse. You have students whose lives have been upended for unfair and unfounded accusations. You've got universities being sued for violating Title IX while implementing guidelines that relate to Title IX at the threat of losing their funding. You have kind of this woke activist collective, the very beginnings of it, starting to see what would happen if they had power, right? If they were able to implement their version of justice, right? And the first place it happens is the universities, right? It becomes a place where their experimentation on what, how far you can push the laws to attack those that we feel are the enemies. And you know, there's been massive public backlash to the Trump administration changing the rules. Say what you will about Betsy DeVos. One of the things that she's done that is highly exemplary is create new rules that give more rights to those of the accused. Right? This is from May, from CNN. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos on Wednesday formally announced new protections for those accused of campus sexual harassment and assault, a controversial move that upends Obama-era guidance and she had argued denied due process to the accused. The changes, which critics argue may discourage victims from coming forward, include provisions under the federal law Title IX that allow those accused of harassment or assault to question the evidence and cross-examine their accusers. Also, the new rules narrow the definition of sexual misconduct on campuses. They define sexual harassment as a school employee conditioning education benefits upon participation in an unwelcome sexual conduct, unwelcome conduct that a reasonable person would determine is so severe pervasive and objectionably offensive that it effectively denies a person equal access to the school's education program or activity or sexual assault, dating violence, domestic violence, and stalking. This is much more narrow than the Obama administration's letter. The new regulations require schools to investigate allegations in any formal complaint, but dismiss allegations of conduct that don't meet the definition of sexual harassment. Say what you will about the Department of Education under Betsy DeVos, and there's a lot to say and a lot of it's not great. But this is one of those times where they actually hit the ball on the head, right? This is going to help because our universities cannot continue to be sued and enforce rules under the threat of having their funding pulled. You know, this is the part of Joe Biden's legacy that if I were Trump, I would definitely bring up. Particularly because it involves law and order. 
I know this is going to come off as a white man saying that college kids are getting a pass and being unfairly accused, but it goes beyond that, right? What everybody seems to forget is that universities that receive federal funding have to obey federal rules. And too often universities believe that they're allowed to implement whatever they believe to be fair, whether it's speech codes, whether it's tribunals that don't uphold due process, or whether it's trying to censor speech that it deems to be violent and offensive. Many on the conservative right are very concerned with the state of universities in that increasingly the student body and the administration, despite being funded with taxpayer dollars, right, believe that they are above the Constitution and above the Bill of Rights. Right, this is where many young people are going to go be adults for the first time, right? And what kind of system are we setting up for them when we tell them that this is how the world works? We can't have systems where people can have their entire lives destroyed on a mere accusation. And look, Biden has come out and said he is against the changes and that if elected, he would revoke the protections that Betsy DeVos has implemented. Let me tell you something. Generally, once rights are given, it's very hard to take them away. But in this case, it's possible that we may have these protections removed and that these colleges will once again be in a position where they're forced to just start essentially just expelling students for the sake of proving that they're taking something seriously. You know, let's not talk about what we can do in terms of, you know, awareness campaigns. Let's not talk about the role of alcohol involved in all of this, right? Let's not even talk about how we talk about consent or talk about how children, children, essentially, children who are 18 years old should interact with one another without supervision. There are no easy answers, but in order to create a system where students feel safe, right, there has to be a system of accountability. Obviously, those who are victims need to feel safe and have the ability to report to universities and to the police, right? It is not the university's job to conduct a criminal investigation and try to expel students without the ability for them to defend themselves. Right? It just seems like universities are supposed to be places where we protect the very basic fundamentals of our democracy, right? Due process and free speech, right? The exchange of ideas, right? This is just the first step in what many people see as part of the backslide behind Joe Biden or that those he will take with him into power 
have already done something once like this and will subject who knows what else to it. What else can you tie federal funding to and force universities and other schools to do against the rights of their own students? To try to solve a problem that you don't have a good understanding of. Look, I can hope that Joe Biden, when he's in office, realizes that the protections in place are good and that we can't have a system where anybody can be destroyed based solely on an accusation, right? And if we t- and if we remember, right, if we remember the before time, 2019, right? When Joe Biden was accused of inappropriately touching people, he was accused of misconduct, right? There was a ton of testimonials about his character that came out. And the slogan, believe all women, turned into believe women. Once again, when the circumstances have come onto them, they all of a sudden changed their tune and without a hint of irony realized that what they were doing was having ill-intended consequences. Unintended consequences. Maybe ill-intended. It is funny though that you would think that with Trump being the way he is, that this would be something that he could give zero interest in, and I'm very sure he doesn't. But for a lot of people, this was a major concern because it wasn't helping the university solve their problem, but was giving them more headaches, right? And it undermined their credibility because they were again forced to conduct sham trials of students accused of anything from assault to bumping into somebody and they felt uncomfortable. You know, if if Joe Biden brings some of these same people back, what's going to happen to other departments that they creep into, right? We all like to talk about how the Trump administration likes to step over people's rights. But Joe Biden already has a major initiative under his belt that has resulted in nothing but problems for the universities. And this is something that the Trump administration actually improved upon from the Obama administration. And yet they get no credit for it. It's buried under the news of all the other misgivings and misdeeds that the Trump administration has brought out. And I would hope that In a world where Biden is supposed to listen to those of us who may not be 100% on board with what the left has to offer, that there will be something in him that realizes that maybe going back to that system is not ideal. You know, maybe, 
maybe the problem is that because we're starting to let accusations alone define crimes, right? We're starting to see that people are being unfairly accused of things, right? And that is forcing us to either say that this person has to be destroyed or that this person has to be completely innocent of the charges. Because in our hyper-partisan atmosphere, that is what's happening. And what are the long-term effects of this kind of thinking? The Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Where we had one person come forward and testify, credibly in my mind, to accusations of assault. And then we had opportunists come in with completely bogus accusations trying to paint Kavanaugh as a total monster. And look, I've got my beef with Kavanaugh, mostly on some legal aspects of his rulings. But I will say that without being able to necessarily prove the allegations against him, that it sounds very much like he mistreated somebody at some point in the past. But the problem was that the idea of an accusation being definite proof of a crime means that there's incentive to tack on more if they're if, even if they're not true and ludicrous, right? And then it goes from an honest examination of one's past actions to slander on their character. And for many Republicans, this is what they saw. They saw somebody who, in their mind, had one accusation against them that came suspiciously timed during a, a nomination hearing and was then piled on by hucksters like Michael Avenatti who peddled lies and later would be found guilty of him trying to embezzle and steal from his clients. Right? You let people who claim the moral high ground and have a precedent of an accusation equals guilt try to derail a Supreme Court nomination. Many conservatives do not want to see a world in which due process is eliminated. And when it comes to these very charged issues... It deserves to have thoughtful examination, understanding of the law, understanding of human psychology, and an understanding that we have to create a system where there's accountability on all sides. You know what? For too long, universities ignored the problem, right? They ignored the problem. They didn't study it. The studies that we did have may not necessarily be reflective or accurate, and then we create policies based on these studies. And this is what happens, right? You get 400 lawsuits against universities. You get 189 wins from students who were wrongfully denied due process. Look, it's a smaller story that you can dive into at a much deeper level. But but the reason I want to bring this up is that if Joe Biden wins and he decides to go back to this, it has to be challenged. 
and it has to be measured that no, Mr. President slash Mr. Vice President, you cannot take these protections away from people. You cannot force the universities to go back to a plan that was ill thought out and dangerous. And as I mentioned before, the same people who helped write that policy, right, they've guided another generation of people, right, who have a very different understanding of how the First Amendment works from you and me. They have a very different understanding of criminal procedure, right, and are so convinced of the righteousness of their mission that they will trample over anyone to get what they believe is their ideal version of the world. We can't let it happen. If Joe Biden's going to win this election, then the progressive left is going to try to pull some of the same obnoxious, unconstitutional nonsense using federal funds and federal directives. And it is imperative that Joe Biden is challenged on this when he's in office. It's imperative that he ask why he thinks due process doesn't matter. Part of the problem in the Trump era is that Trump's discontempt for the law leaves man the left to believe that they should feel the same way. And then all we have is, is two systems where whoever's in power exerts the mass, the max amount of pressure on the other side. We can hope that when this is all said and done, Joe Biden will listen to those who work to change these guidelines. That he will make sure that students are protected, both the victims and the accused, in terms of their rights. And that he will work to make sure That college campuses remain beacons of free speech, of legal protections, and are places where young minds can be shaped and challenged. Not coddled, not protected, and not forced into arbitrary systems that don't reflect the real world. It's a short one today, folks. Had a lot of stuff going on in my life. I want to talk about the census tomorrow or whenever I get to it. Because this is what happens when incompetence takes over government. And I'll be more than happy to detail that later. But thank you to everybody for listening. I would recommend reading the articles in the Atlantic and Slate. Um, I don't have them linked, but if you just Google Title IX dear colleague letter, you'll find them the, the top Google searches. And feel free to explore this topic in greater detail. It's important. And I hope everyone is having a wonderful Tuesday. And I hope you're staying safe. Be smart. Be cool. Be at peace. Thank <laughs> you.